The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. So if you're going to develop your faith, you have to focus on your faith and live a life of discipline. You have to be careful what you say. In our house, we don't say we don't have money. Never. I have never said I don't have money. Because you have what you say. I have never said it's the last bread in the house. Because if you say it's the last bread, that will be the last bread you ever <laughs> So we have to be careful what we say. Let's give Jesus some praise. Amen. Let's please be seated. We're in a second session. Are you getting anything out of it? Did you get anything out of the first session? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. session please turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8 verse 10 Matthew chapter 8 verse 10 I read I'd like to give you a brief foundational background to this scripture uh, this scripture has to do with the centurion how many of you remember the centurion um whose servant was ill, sick, and he went to tell Jesus uh, to heal his servant, and Jesus said he's going to come to his house, and he said to Jesus, you don't need to come to my house, for I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and they go. I say to this one, come, and they come. And Jesus said, I have not found such a great faith in Israel, no, the whole of Israel say this man so this is the background of the scripture and I want you to really prepare your heart in this session because we're going to see generational healings taking place uh, we're going to see generational healings when I say generational healings I'm talking about 
are sicknesses that have been in your bloodline that has been in your family. For instance, in, in some families, there is diabetes. It was in the grandfather or grandmother. It's, it's in the mother. It's in the children. And so in this session, we're going to see generational healings. Generational healings in the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. I read the Bible says that when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen. I'm teaching on the message I have titled, Developing Great Faith for Unusual Healing. Developing great faith for unusual healing. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. If we can go there. It says we have all been given the measure of faith. Or Romans chapter 12 verse 2 rather. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says we have all been given the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Go to verse 3 let's see. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 it says for I say through the grace given unto me to every man is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to but to think how soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith did you get that? So every man or every woman has the measure of faith. So that first day you gave your life to Christ, a measure of faith was measured to you. But guess what? That faith, if it's left on its own, will die. So that faith has to be grown it has to be grown or it has to be fed because until you feed your faith, your faith will never grow. Very important. Until you feed your faith, your faith will never grow. So if we are going to develop our faith, then that means we have to focus on our faith. Because what you focus on grows. If you don't focus on developing your faith, then your faith will never grow. And to be able to exercise and to walk in great faith, it comes by 
consistently living a disciplined life of faith. And please hear me, the work of faith is a work of discipline. The work of faith is a work of discipline. Meaning that you cannot just live anyhow or say anything. The work of faith is a work of discipline. So you can't have faith today and tomorrow not have faith. Do you get it? So for instance, you go to the doctors and the doctors do a scan. They say, oh, we've seen, we've seen a growth. We've seen a growth. We've seen a growth and it looks like it's cancer. It's cancerous. You have a choice to confess also what the doctor confessed. And go to everyone and say, the doctor said I have cancer. Remember, you will have whatsoever you say. Remember? Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. You'll have whatsoever you say. So you have to be careful what you say. So the work of faith is a work of discipline. Discipline. That's why Mark eleven twenty three says, for verily I say, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain. So let's say that growth is a mountain. Cancer is a mountain. HIV AIDS is a mountain. Diabetes, if it's been in the family for generations, is a mountain. So Jesus said, this is how you deal with that mountain. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and you shall not doubt in your heart. What is the opposite of belief? Do you see doubt? Do you see belief is so important? So the opposite of belief is doubt. So Jesus said, if you are going to see your faith work, then your belief must be maintained and it has to be strong. So Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and you shall not doubt in your heart. Where do we build belief? In the heart. Do you see that? In your heart. So you do not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe but you shall believe that those things which you said shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Now, this is where many people miss it. They say, um, Jesus, how do you say, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass? How is it going to come to pass? The coming to pass is none of your business. The coming to pass is God's business. Are you following what I'm saying? Bringing the word to pass is not your business. Whose business it is? God's business. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11.
It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void. You see, so when you speak it, it's not your responsibility how it returns. It's God's responsibility. God said, it shall not return unto me void. In other words, it shall not return back the way you've sent it. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing wherewith I sent it. So, as for the word performing its duty, is God's responsibility. Your responsibility is to speak the word. That's what the centurion said. Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. Speak the word only. Matthew chapter 8 verse 8. It says, send the word only. Because within the word, there is a power to bring everything the word has been sent for to pass. So, if you are going to develop your faith, you have to focus on your faith and live a life of discipline. You have to be careful what you say. In our house, we don't say we don't have money. Never. I have never said I don't have money. Because you have what you say. I have never said is the last bread in the house. Because if you say it's the last bread, that will be the last bread you ever <laughs> So we have to be careful what we say. The work of faith is a work of discipline. Now, we've seen a few countries go into recession. Italy has gone into recession. Germany yesterday just went into recession. Many European countries are going to follow suit. The growth uh, forecast for the UK was reduced. So that means there is that possibility that the UK might be at the verge of tipping into recession. But in the midst of all that, we don't confess recession. Are you getting what I'm saying? We don't confess recession. We don't. What do we do? We confess. No matter what's happening, I confess what I want. I am not in recession. When there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Goshen was still in Egypt. How many of you know that? But there was light in Goshen. So, yes. The whole of Europe can go in recession. The whole world can go in recession. But as for me and my house, we are not in recession. So the work of faith is a disciplined work. It's a very disciplined. You have to check what you say. Because if you don't want to eat it, don't say it. If you don't want to eat it, don't cook it. The moment you say it, you will eat it. I say, ah, I was just playing. How many of you know that angels don't understand playing? <laughs> Psalm 105, verse 20. The Bible says that the angels 
excel in strength. They are waiting to do the bidding of the Lord. God's word. So they don't, they don't, angels don't understand joke. How many of you know that if I go to, I'm a, I'm a good Christian. Let me say it this way. I am a very good Christian. And because I'm a good Christian, I don't drink alcohol. Anything alcohol, I don't drink. Right? Now, if I go to a restaurant and the waiters don't know me, right? And I tell the waiters, can you, can you give me a, a brandy? Brandy is an alcoholic beverage, right? Can you give me brandy? How many of you know that they will bring it? Because even if I'm joking, they don't know that I'm joking. Because they don't know me. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't know me, so they think that what I'm saying is true. So they'll bring me whatever I order. That's how faith operates. In the faith world, whatever you say, the angels will bring it. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So every time you say it, angels have gone. So if you say, I am today, I'm depressed, guess what? Angels go bringing depression your way. Because they don't understand joke. And so the walk of faith is a very disciplined walk. Because what you have to understand is that when you confess anything negative, if you have confessed positive, positive, positive all your life, and you confess one negative, it wipes out all your years of positive confessions. That's why it's important to live a life of discipline. So this centurion said, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. Just send your word. Now, quick question we want to ask is, how do we develop great faith? How many of you want to have great faith? So uh, let's look at how to develop great faith, shall we? How do we develop great faith? Three ways. There are three ways to be able to develop great faith. Number one is by hearing the word of faith. Number one is by hearing the word of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So then, faith comes out by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. So, if you're going to develop great faith, you have to continue hearing the word of faith. 
Don't hear fear. Don't hear doubt. If it's in the area of sickness, don't go among friends who will start telling you, oh, my auntie died of the same diagnosis the doctor diagnosed you of. Don't go around such people. Because they, they will put fear in you. And the opposite of fear is faith. If you are believing God to, to heal you, to cure you, they say, ha, I know a great man of God. He died through that sickness. <laughs> I know a great pastor. He died through that sickness. And once they say that your faith is gone, you cannot develop great faith by hearing fear. So then faith comes how? By hearing and continuous hearing the word of God. Not the word of man, not the word of the doctor, not the word of the newscaster, but the word of God. Continue to hear the word. Yes, your faith might not be there yet. Like I said in the first session, you believe until your faith is solid. So, for instance, if it's in the area of healing, if you are believing God for healing, go to the word. Search the scriptures. Search the healing scriptures. Are you following what I'm saying? Search the healing scriptures. Start, start reading them aloud. Start confessing them over you. And as you continue to do that, your faith is being built up. Your faith is being built up. Your faith is being built up to the point where your faith now has the ability to conquer that sickness or disease. How do we develop great faith? Number two, by exercising your faith. Number two, by exercising your faith. Matthew chapter eight, from verse eight to nine. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 8 to 9. This is about the centurion. The Bible says that the centurion answered Jesus and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come to my house, to my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. That's how you exercise your faith. By speaking it. Verse 9, for I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, I say to this man, go, and he goeth, to another come, and he cometh, and my servant, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So do you see how faith is exercised? It's not enough just to say you have faith. You have to exercise your faith. It's like if you want to be a bodybuilder, you have to go to the gym and exercise to build your muscles. Isn't that right? So every day when you go to the gym and you are lifting that heavy metals, guess what you're doing? You are exercising, and as you are exercising, your muscles are built up. That's how faith works. You have to exercise your faith. Faith does not work in a vacuum. Faith has to be exercised. From stage one to stage two to stage three and so on and so forth. 
but your faith has to be exercised. This centurion said, I am a man under authority. I exercise my faith by saying to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. So on the basis of that Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. Send the word of faith only, and my servant to be made whole. He understood how the realm of faith works. You see, I've always said that many Christians come to church like farmers. They sharpen their sickles, their tools for farming. And then they go home and put the tools down and do nothing with it. As you are in this healing school, your faith is being sharpened. But it will not benefit you if you just go home and leave what you've heard without practicing it. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's no point coming, hearing the word, and doing nothing with the word. James encourages us not to be hearers only, but be doers of what we have heard. And how do we do the word? By exercising our faith. So you get home, maybe that pain shows up again a few, a few days later. You take the word that you heard from healing school and you say, I heard the pastor say, this is how you exercise your faith. So you put your notes by your side, you put your hand by that pain and you start confessing in the name of Jesus, this pain will go. Because the name of Jesus is above every name. Pain is a name. Leukemia is a name. Heart pain is a name. Are you getting me? So you start exercising your faith by practically applying what you have heard. But if you put it down and don't do anything with it, it will not benefit you. This is how you develop great faith. Number three, how to develop great faith is we act on the word of faith. So number one is you hear the word of faith. Number two, you exercise your faith. And then number three, you act on the word of faith. Mark chapter five from verse 27 to 29. Mark chapter 5 from verse 27 to 29. I read, it says, when she heard, talking about the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard, how does faith comes? How does faith comes? So she heard about Jesus. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So the Bible says that when she heard of Jesus, so someone might have preached Jesus to her. Someone might have preached faith to her. She had had faith for so many years. She's been hearing faith. She's been hearing about Jesus. She's been hearing about Jesus. And then all of a sudden she heard that Jesus is going to pass by this place. So the Bible says that when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press. Now notice, acting on your faith. Acting on your faith. So it's not enough just to hear. You have to act on what you have heard. So when she heard, 
Notice the next thing she did was she acted on what she heard. When she heard, she acted on what she heard. The Bible says that she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now I want you to understand something. This woman had had an issue of blood for 12 years, nonstop. I don't want to go into detail, but having this issue of blood for 12 years means, excuse my language, she was smelling. Because every day she was having this issue of blood. Are you following what I'm saying? This is not a clean blood. This is a waste blood. So it must have taken a lot for her to leave her house to come among this crowd. See how to act on your faith? You see, faith is not faith until you act on it. She came. Despite what she was going through, she came. She pressed past her issues. Verse 28, the Bible says that, for she said, if I may but touch the, his clothes, I shall behold. You see, faith. Now, notice this woman had an issue of blood, but she never said, I have an issue of blood. Did you get that? She never said, I have cancer. She never said, I have migraine. She never said it. Yet she had it for 12 years. But notice her confession. For she said, if I may but touch the, his clothes, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. That's the end result you're looking for. The end result is healing. The end result is whole. So why are you confessing what you don't want? Why are you confessing? Uh, what if I try it and it doesn't work? What if, what if, I've never had anybody got healed by touching Jesus' clothes before. What if I try it and it does not work? What if you try it and it works? Why are you always confessing negative? Why, when you're about to think about something, it's always a negative? Now, listen, the default nature for every human being is negativity. That's your default nature. If you leave your brain to itself, it will always go to negativity. It will always think negative. If you leave your brain to itself on, on default, <laughs> it will always think sickness. I'm going to die today. How many of you have ever gone on a plane and all you are thinking about is the pilot is going to crash the plane? <laughs> Since 9-11, I'm sure every time you're about to go on the plane, you are praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, let there be no person trying to crash this plane. Why? That's the default nature of your brain. But you have to, the Bible says that you have to bring, like Paul said, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul said, I bring my body under subjection. What it means is that, yes, your brain wants to 
think negative, but you bring it to where Jesus wants it to be. I said, no, you can't think negative. No, you think positive. This plane, you get on this plane, you're going to arrive on your destination in the name of Jesus. For she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Look at verse 29. The Bible says that, and straight away, oh, I love that. You see what happens when we act on our faith? Straight away, the Bible says that the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt her body was healed of that plague. Say a good amen to that. Straight away. Do you see the result of acting on your faith? Someone said, but pastor, I, I acted on my faith and nothing happened. That means you haven't built enough faith. When the clouds are full, the rains fall. <laughs> when the clouds are full, nobody has to force the rain. The rain falls by itself. So, if you're going to develop great faith, you have to build your faith. You have to hear the word of faith. You have to exercise your faith. And you have to act on your faith. Finally, as we close, are you getting something out of this? Matthew, let's go and look at a classical case studies of of a woman who had faith for unusual healing. She had solid faith. (laughs) Her faith was so strong and she never allowed anything to take her healing or her child's healing away from her. Matthew chapter 15 from verse 21. I'm really loving this healing school. Are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it myself. The Holy Spirit is really helping us. Matthew chapter 15 from verse 21. Now you know the story. This story talks about the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was sick. And uh, she went to Jesus and to ask Jesus to heal the daughter. And Jesus said, Jesus called her a dog. Remember? And she persisted. Jesus said, we cannot give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, well, it doesn't matter what you call me. (laughs) My daughter needs her healing. And that's what I've come for. You see, when you are walking in faith, you don't allow what people say to you to to deter you. Because you know what you're looking for. Matthew chapter 15 from verse 21. Let's read. The Bible says that then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon to rest. After many miracles, he went there to rest. The Bible says that, and behold, a woman of Canaan, or a Syrophoenician, came out of the same coast. 
that Jesus went there to rest. If you know what rest is, when you're really tired, you want to rest, you don't want nobody disturbing you. And when Jesus went to rest, the Bible says that, and behold, behold means this woman came out of nowhere. She had, she had really been targeting Jesus, knowing that Jesus is going to be here. So she really wanted to corner Jesus all by herself. The Bible says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me. Look at the first stage. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, talking about his kinship. My daughter is grievously versed with a devil. Now, isn't this enough prayer for Jesus to heal the daughter? Have mercy is enough. Like I said earlier, mercy is the highest form of prayer. If you say, Lord, have mercy on me, he will. Because in his sovereignty, he have mercy upon whomsoever he decides to have mercy. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 9, it says, Esau, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. They were not even born. They were not born yet. God said, I hate Esau. And I love Jacob before they were born. So God in his sovereignty, he decides to have mercy on whosoever he decides to have mercy. He said, I will have compassion on whomsoever I have compassion. So in God's sovereignty, he chooses who to have mercy upon. Not based on what you have done. Because Esau was not born, Jacob was not born, yet God said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That is God's sovereignty. So this woman cried unto Jesus and said, have mercy on me, King Jesus. Have mercy on me, Lord. My daughter is grievously versed of the devil. You think the mention of a child will let Jesus' compassion come alive. But notice, the Bible says, verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Have you been in a situation where sometimes you pray and pray and pray and pray, and you feel like your prayer is hitting the ceiling. They say, but God, where are you? Are you still alive? The Bible says that Jesus answered her not a word. This is God. Sometimes you pray and God doesn't hear you. The answer doesn't come. He's not answering you. Today is not your day of answer. As much as is good for us to expect answer from God all the time, there are days on God's calendar that he's called. Today is a day of no answer. Have you not had experiences where you are home, somebody knocks on your door and you don't respond? Because it's a day of no answer. <laughs> you don't want no one disturbing you today. You are in the house, but somebody is knocking, but today, it's a day of no answer. So sometimes God gets into that mood also. It's a day of no answer. You fast, you pray. You, people say, I've done everything I know to do. But it's a day of no answer. 
It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God hates you. It doesn't mean you are a sinner. But it's just that day is a day of no answer. The Bible says that, but Jesus answered her not a word. And look at the worst part. Not only that, the Bible says that, and his disciples came and besought Jesus, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. The disciples are, are supposed to be the mercy callers. The disciples are supposed to be the judge to say, um, Jesus, it's all right, Jesus. You know, the disciple is supposed to be her lawyer. She had, she had actually employed this lawyer to speak on her behalf. And the lawyer is speaking against her. Sometimes you feel everybody is against you. Why? What have I done? The disciples. The disciples are supposed to be the bridging gap to connect people to Jesus. Instead, they are saying, Jesus, she is disturbing us. This woman's cry today is loud. It's a loud cry. Loud, loud. You know, sometimes the louder you cry and pray, you think God heard you. That's the day, no answer. But today I really shouted. Today I really screamed. But it's a day of no answer. Verse 24, the Bible says that, but he answered. Now, yes, there's a day of no answer, but that doesn't mean you give up because a day of an answer is coming. (laughs) Your day of answer is coming. It's not long, it's coming. Your healing is coming. Your miracle is coming. That baby is coming. That promotion is coming. There shall be none called barren in this house. I tell you the truth. In the Bible, no one has ever been barren except one woman called Michal who dishonored the anointing. She was the only one who died barren. Even Sarah at old age had a baby. If you are not 90 years old, don't worry. Your baby is coming. I said your baby is coming. Including those of you who don't want. (laughs) Those of you who don't want, you have spiritual babies. You win souls this year. The Bible says, but he answered and said. You know, sometimes you wait for an answer. You wait for a letter. When the letter comes, you expect good news. And sometimes it's not really good news. The Bible says that when Jesus answered, he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Ah, Jesus was lying here. Now, that's a blasphemy. How can you say, Pastor, Jesus is lying? Because Jesus said, I am sent to, I, I am sent to seek and to save that which was lost. There was no classification of the house of Israel. 
So why would Jesus say here that I am not sent unto, <laughs> not unto, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Because this woman was not an Israeli. She was not saved. She was a Syrophoenician. She was a Canaanite, remember? She was not born again. She didn't have right. She didn't have access to what belongs to the children in the kingdom. But that doesn't mean you should give up. Sometimes when you are expecting an answer and the wrong answer comes, that's not the time to quit. Look at the next verse, verse 20. 25, the Bible says that then came she. She was a very persistent woman, this woman. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Worship is the highest form of intimacy between man and God. I believe in worship. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 100, it said, Come into his house with what? With thanksgiving and enter into his courts with what? So listen, worship is the code. Let me put it this way. Worship is the only protocol that governs the kingdom of God. There is only one thing that happens in heaven 24-7 and that's worship. And when you are a worshiper, there is nothing that you will not have access to. As a matter of fact, worshipers have access to God's heart. Amen. That's another teaching for another day. But sometimes you cannot have what you're looking for through worship. Sometimes the healing you are believing God for does not come through worship. The Bible says that then she came and she worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. When somebody is crying for help, that means they are at their most vulnerable state. They are at a point when they, they don't have access to help. And every human being have within them that compassion to help people. How many of you will see a little child, a two-year-old child, about to standing in the middle of the road and you leave them? You will never leave them. Even if they don't cry for help, you go and help them. She worshiped Jesus and she asked Jesus for help. Look at verse 26. But he answered and said, this is the second answer, it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Wow. Jesus calls this woman a dog. In her culture, they don't relate with dogs. Dogs are abomination in this woman's culture. So when you're called a dog, that means <laughs> you have really been called the lowest of the lowest. That's a low, you know, below the belt. Look at how harsh Jesus was. This woman is only asking for her healing for a child. 
What did she do to be called a dog? But I love one thing about dogs. What are dogs' favorite meat? The bone. Any man that has a bone in his hand or a meat with a bone and the dog sees it, the dog will chase you wherever just to have access to that bone. So I love this woman's determination. Even though Jesus called her a dog, look at the next thing she did. The Bible says, verse 27, and then she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So she was a very determined dog. The healing that her daughter needed was in Jesus' hand. Jesus has called her a dog. Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about what you call me. What I need is in your hand. Yes, you call me a dog, but my daughter's healing is in your hand. So because I'm a dog, I'm going to chase you wherever, no matter how far you go, to have access to my daughter's healing. That's how we have to have our attitude when we come to God. She was very persistent. Verse 28, final verse. Then Jesus answered, third answering. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Oh woman. Do you know what that means, oh woman? Every time somebody says, oh woman, that means you have been really persistent. Oh woman, why have you been bothering me? Jesus said, oh woman, great is your faith be it unto thee even as you will and her daughter was made whole from that very hour say a good amen to that this is what happens when you are operating in great faith those who operate in great faith can never be denied of their healing Let me just make this confession. I had prepared. Let me just make this confession. I had prepared for the healing school. But before I was coming to teach this second session, I said it's going to be what? Generational healings. Did you remember that? I had prepared, but I never knew that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. I'm just seeing now I'm telling you now, I'm just seeing now that this woman was standing in the gap for her child's healing. Can you see the generation? I don't play with my preparing to come and teach you. I've been fasting, God knows, from the 1st of January, today is my last day. 40 days. I've gone through stuff. But I've come to announce to you that the Holy Spirit is saying what is going to happen within these few minutes that we have is going to be generational. It's going to be generational healing. You are a new bloodline. 
Yes, your father, your mother had diabetes. They had all kinds of, they died through different sicknesses. But you will not die because of that sickness. Your children, as a matter of fact, you're going to start a new generation tonight. You will not die through that sickness. Your children will not die through that sickness. That sickness will never be mentioned in your family tree ever again. In the name of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do something unusual. In the name of Jesus. This is how you develop great faith. Today we are going to stand in the gap for the next for the next, you know, you know, the Holy Spirit just says, I'm not going to touch anyone here because you've heard the word, there's healing in the word. So for the next, for the next 10 minutes, we're just going to pray and take what is ours. You're going to be like this woman and take what is yours. This woman was very radical. She was not doing, oh, Jesus. If you will, oh Jesus, uh, what do you think I should be healed? Do you think my daughter should be healed? No, she was radical. She was persistent. It's time to be persistent in Jesus' name. Did you receive it? Hallelujah. Let's rise up on our feet. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Come and have an encounter with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in the life of Pastor Adama Segbeji this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Solution Chapel International, Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10-8DS, or call 01293-885-000 for more information, or on the web at solutionchapel.org. Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles.